We are so excited that this latest message from Truth Movement Church can meet you where you are today. This message from TMC will help you to apply the truth of God's word to your everyday life. It's practical and powerful. Enjoy his word. Um, let's put some work in today. We're going to pick back up where we left off two weeks ago um, in Philippians chapter 4, verse 4, NIV version. We got a little bit of work to do there today. I won't work you too hard today, <laughs> but I'm ready to dig into it. Philippians 4, 4, NIV. there yet? Hmm. Jordan? Yes, sir. <laughs> All right, let's work. I'm not even going to ask over here. Yes? Let's do it. Verse 4, Philippians 4, 4, NIV says this, rejoice in the Lord always. Watch it. Now, she just texted me. She know I'm up here preaching. And she just texted me as if it's not going to pop up on my iPad. Oh, my goodness. Um, I miss you too, babe. Um, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Are you serious? <laughs> okay. Can we can restart? Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. I can't. Okay. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. <clears throat> Our topic for discussion today is the phrase, think on these things. I want you to tell three people sitting next to you, close to you, two people sitting next to you, close to you. Tell them to think on these things. Instead of your insecurities, instead of your anxieties, instead of your jealousies, instead of your deficiencies, think on these things. Instead of your deficiencies, instead of your insecurities, instead of the things that make you jealous, think on these things. Paul is, is, is so brilliant, um, and, it's, and, it's, and it's sometimes hard for me to, to really try to teach everything that he talks about without taking it in very small doses, um, because 
he, he gives us so much in, in, in just four to five verses that it, it just blows your mind. But he, but he says, after you've emptied yourself out um, to God uh, through prayer, petition, with thanksgiving, um, and you, you've cast your cares upon God as if, you know, exactly how scripture tells us to do it. Um, he, he says that you cannot get up off of your knees after you do all of that and then fall back into the same trains of thought. Watch me now. That brought you to your knees. You can't, after you've poured yourself out to God and you've emptied yourself out and you've done exactly what you're supposed to do, you pray, you've prayed by petition with some thanksgiving and, and, and then you cast all your cares on, on, onto Jesus. He says, don't get up after you get done and just let yourself fall back into the same trains of thought that brought you to your knees. You got to replace it. It's got to be replaced. And what's, what, what, what I... What, what was catching me this week about this is that we 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 kind of do this this cycle kind of like the week, right? You know what I mean? Like we we keep ourselves in the same cycle. Like we get down and we pray about it and we tell the Lord about it and we do exactly what we're supposed to do and we get up off of our knees and by the time we make it to our room, the thoughts that were bombarding us starts to bombard us again. And when we get in the car, we're thinking the same exact thoughts that we said that we did not want to think. And when we get back home, we're praying about it again and we stay in this cycle of just unproductive prayer. Just very unproductive. Like I'm praying and, and I know I'm doing the right thing and, I, and I'm saying the right stuff and I use all the arts and the thousands that I could possibly use. And, every, and I know that he hears my prayer, but I stay in this, in this cycle of very unproductive prayer. I, I, I just stay at it and I, and I just keep mulling over the same stuff. I, uh, I, um, a couple weeks ago, probably about four or five weeks ago now, I can't remember the exact <coughs> week, but I got... Um, I got 18 pairs of brand new socks. <laughs> that was a good feel. I like socks. <laughs> I like good, strong socks. Like, is anybody like me? Like, I like good socks. Like, I don't want socks from, like, I'm going to say Kmart. You know what Kmart is? Is Kmart still around these days? Uh, no? Like, nowhere? Okay. Have you ever heard of Kmart? Raise your hand if you've been to a Kmart. Okay. Remember the blue light special? Yeah. Um, but I don't want Kmart socks. I like good, strong socks. I like Nike socks. I really do like Nike socks. So I, I was able to, to, to obtain 16 pairs of, of, of really good Nike socks. And I brought them into to my room, and I put them in a, in a, in a basket by my, by my closet. And I have like a sock cubby. You know, you have a sock drawer, but I got a sock cubby. It's like goes up under my bed. And... <clears throat> I got mad with myself one day because it's, it's been like three weeks since I had these socks when it finally hits me. Like, I've had these socks for three weeks, but every morning I got up and I would sit at the edge of my bed and I would pull my cubby out and I would just sift through the same old socks. And like, this one has a hole and this one has no end or beginning. I don't even know where that sock came from. And, and, and I would just sit there and waste time mulling through the same old stuff. This is what Paul points out to us. He says, after you get up off, off your knees of prayer and you've done exactly what you're supposed to do, don't just sit there and mull over the same old thoughts. You have to introduce new thoughts so that you can keep your peace. Check me out, y'all. I, I don't want God's peace to just protect me. I want the God of peace with me. That is the way that I make it through things. That is the way that I can conquer things. That is the way things get better. Not just guarding me. I want them with me. Shout, I want them with me. I want the God of peace with me. And Paul says the way that we obtain that, the way that we make sure that that happens in our life is by making sure that we start to think on these things. 
Not the anxiety, not the thing that's causing my anxiety. Somebody saw these things. Paul gives us an eight-part recipe um, for what I like to call the, a, a Christian state of mind. Give us eight parts to it. Now, if, if you've been to church all your life, you know that eight means something. He, he's giving us a new beginning. And I don't know about you, but there are some parts of my life that I need a new beginning. I, I, I need a do-over. Somebody shout a do-over. Paul is giving us the recipe to, to, to redo our mind. Oh, gosh. He's, he's, he's giving us the recipe to make sure that we don't have to keep falling into the same trains of thought that keep taking us to places that we don't want to go. He, somebody shout these things. Not my deficiencies. Somebody shout these things. He makes it so clear. Now, here's the, here's, the, here's, the, here's, the, here's the tough part. He uses a lot of words that we don't use. So this is the reason why we don't necessarily apply this text to our life, but I'm telling you, it is so applicable. And we're going to take our time. We're going to knock out four of them today. We're going to knock out four next week, and that's it. Yes? Y'all ready to work? Y'all don't sound excited. Y'all ready to work? All right, let's do it. Let's push to, to number one. <clears throat> he says, finally... Brother and sisters, whatever is true. Somebody shout, whatever is true. I got to think on whatever is true. I've got a, some, some words up here for you for each, de- for each word. I've got a definition. Thoughts that correspond with God's word, the truth. Thoughts that correspond with God's word, <coughs> the truth. Paul explains to us off top, and I love that he uses the word truth, um, because he lets me know that I need to start looking at evaluating every thought that I have to make sure that it is true. Every thought that I have about me, every thought that I have about you, every thought that I have about my situation, every thought that I have about God, I have to look at it to make sure that it is true. Somebody shout true. I found in my own life, and I'm going to say we, but I'm going to start with Pastor Wanza. I was telling Pastor Martin, like on Friday, I said this series is like, is, is, is unearthing some stuff for me. We spend more time, we spend more time dwelling on facts and not the truth. We spend the vast majority of our day dwelling on rehearsing the facts of our life and not the truth. Hmm. A study that was done by uh, the National Registry of Exoneration, I didn't even know there was such a thing until I found it this week, Um, the National Registry of Exonerations, it states that just in the U.S. alone, there are upwards to 230,000 innocent people sitting behind bars right now. Just in the U.S., they said that there there are upwards to 230,000 innocent people sitting behind bars right now. When I I read that that, that stat or or, or that information, I said to myself, there was a lawyer somewhere who did a really good job at presenting facts, not truth. You didn't catch it. 
your enemy, the devil, does a really good job at presenting you with the facts and not the truth. The reason why he wants you to pre present you with facts and keep you dwelling on facts, because he knows that if you ever start to think about the truth, that is when freedom comes, because there, there's freedom in the truth. That's the only way that I can get myself out of this bondage that I'm in. The only way that I can get myself out of this mess that I am is, is, is if I start dwelling on the truth, not the facts. Tell your neighbor, do on the truth. It is the, it, is the, it is the facts about your childhood. It is the facts about the divorce. It is the facts about the situation. It is the, it is the facts about the circumstances that's keeping you bound to it. And the enemy knows that I got to keep her in this loop. I got to keep her thinking on it. I got to keep her rehearsing it. Because if she ever bumps into the truth, the truth will set this girl free. He wants to keep you so bound to the facts and keep you so uh, tied to the facts that you never even think about the truth. But I'm trying to help you to understand today that the truth is what sets you free. Somebody shout the truth. It may be a fact that you're going through something right now that doesn't look good. I got a bad report. It doesn't look good. The situation doesn't look good. But the truth is, is that all things work together for my good. It may be a fact. Somebody shout fact. It may be a fact that you're battling something right now and it feels like you're losing. It feels like I'm losing this relationship battle. It feels like I'm losing this battle with my children. It feels like I'm losing this situation with my finances. But the truth is, is that no weapon formed against me shall prosper. That is the truth. And if the enemy can keep you on the facts and keep you away from the truth, you remain bound to it. Somebody shout no weapon. I shout, fact. It may be a fact that you don't have enough. I don't have enough time. I don't have enough money. I don't have enough energy. I don't have enough mental space. But the truth is that he shall supply all of my needs. The enemy wants to keep you bound to the facts not the truth. You are sitting behind bars in your life right now because you will not get away from the facts. The enemy knows that if I can just keep bottling up these facts and repackaging the facts, that she'll keep opening the facts and she'll stay bound to the facts. I have to get you to understand that your freedom is in the truth today. Somebody shout truth. Let's get the next one. So he says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, somebody shout true, whatever is noble, whatever is noble, <clears throat> say that with me, whatever is noble. <clears throat> the Ritz-Carlton um, has one of the best reputations in the, in the world as it relates to um, a prestigious hotel. Who's, who's ever stayed at a, a Ritz? Okay, I'm not going to raise my hand. Um, 
But I read this, <clears throat> this book. Um, it was entitled uh, The New Gold Standard. And, the, and this book basically details um, their leadership philosophies and you know, how they go about business and how they ended up getting to this level of um, prestigious um, rewards or, or, or accolades as it relates to being a hotel. Um, and one of the things that stuck out to me when I read the book <clears throat> was that um, they have this thing that they do um, in, in regards to um, the employees there that, that says that it doesn't matter what your, what your level is. If you, you could be the maintenance guy or you could be the senior VP. <clears throat> but they have um, this, this credo card. Um, that, 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 that they're known for. It keeps, it's their motto. It has their motto on it. And they require every single employee to walk around with this card on them as if it is part of their uniform. Um, and the creed says, says this. I put it up on the screen for you. It says that we are ladies and gentlemen serving ladies and gentlemen. Here's the cool thing. You could walk into any Ritz right now and ask, the, uh, ask an employee, hey, can I see your credo card? They'll show it to you. And it says, we are ladies and gentlemen serving ladies and gentlemen. Say it with me. We are, we are ladies and gentlemen serving ladies and gentlemen. Now, as a, as a Ritz-Carlton employee, that statement sets the boundaries for every engagement that I'm going to have. Every single engagement. Because I've set the boundary of how I see myself. And then I've placed you in a certain regard as well. I've put you in a place in my mind. So this conversation, regardless if it's good or bad, it's only going to go so far because I see you in a noble position, a, 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 a position of honor. Watch me on this now. We have a very bad habit of allowing ourselves to rehearse dishonoring thoughts about the people we do life with. We have this, 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 this thing about us that we feel it's okay to think about my wife, to think about my husband, to think about my kids, however I want to think about them, and expect for myself to get into their presence and be who I'm supposed to be to them. He says, listen to me, whatever is noble, as it relates to people, as it relates to God's people, I have to make sure that I'm having thoughts that hold you in the position that you have with me. I'm talking about people who you do life with. There is no way that I'm, I'm, I'm all day think to myself how terrible my wife is and expect for myself to get home and show her love. So what you're saying to yourself right now, well, Pastor Wanzo, that's not much. All, all I did was think it. I didn't do anything. I didn't disrespect her, you know, physically. But let me show you something in Scripture and what Jesus does. Matthew 5, 28. He says, but I tell you, tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Pastor Wanzo, I would never wrong anybody that I love, but you've wronged them in your mind. You've torn them down in your mind. You've, you've disrespected them in your mind. And Paul is saying, you got to hold people in high regard. If you do life with these people, you have to hold them in high regard. If you decided that I'm going to be your friend, if you decided that I'm going to be your husband, your wife, whatever it is, you have to work. Somebody shout work. Work regardless of what the situation or circumstance is to hold that person in high regard. It's going to be quiet. 
can I, can I be honest? I was guilty. I would never say it out of my mouth. I would never disrespect them like that. I would never say these words to that person. Yes, you didn't, but you did. According to God's standard, you've already made the infraction. We have to make sure that we hold people, who, I mean, the people that do life with us, we hold them in high regard, noble places. I can't let myself think recklessly about the people that I say I love. I know I'm teaching good today. I can't do it. There is, there, there is no way. Check this out. There is, how do I expect for God to honor it if I won't honor it? I'm going to him in prayer and I'm saying what I want my family to be, but I won't honor them in myself. I'm going to God to say I want a better relationship, but I don't honor the person that I'm in relationship with. I'm talking in my mind and in my heart. Not saying what you do, because you sleep next to him, but you don't honor him in your heart. You my ace boom coon, man. You know how it is. It is all good. But you hate him on the inside. I know this is good. I just... I have to work hard at it, y'all, hard to hold people in high regard. Now, here's the difference. If you know that that person is not supposed to be in your life and you're in the wrong relationship, then let that person go. I'm not talking about that person, but I'm talking about the person that you say you want to be in relationship with. And even the people that you didn't pick. Your sisters, your brothers. (laughs) Y'all, listen to me. I'm not teaching this because I got it under control. I'm teaching it because I recognize it in my own life. I would never disrespect that person. I would never do it. But I'm tearing them down in my mind. I've already crossed the line. I see you as less. Regardless of what you've done, you still hold that position in my mind, in my heart. That is the part that God is holding me accountable for. Jesus says, listen, if you've lusted in your mind, you've already done it. So you might as well repent. Okay, I'll help you. Look at your neighbor and say, repent. Amen. We've been there. How many times have you talked bad about the person that you're in relationship with to yourself? Okay. We, we have to get intentional about rehearsing thoughts that honor the people that we say we want to do life with. And that's not always easy. It's not, I'm a, I'm a, it's not always, always easy. But this is what God is holding us accountable for. This is how my prayers become effective. Because, because I'll get down on my knees and I'll pray because I'm, I'm praying about them, but it's truly me because I keep falling back into the same trains of thought. I've prayed about it and God has given the word on it and he has fixed it. But since I put myself back into the same train of thought, it goes back to what it was. Okay. Let's get the third one. <laughs> this is a good one. <laughs> Finally, brethren brothers, I've read it some translations. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is, y'all still got your scriptures. Do you still have your Bible out? 
Okay, I'm going to do it again. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is, whatever is right. And it means thoughts that are just, honest, righteous, and equitable according to God's standard. That's what I said, Portia. So watch. We're not talking about doing right in our eyes. We're talking about doing what is right, whatever is right in the eyes of God. Paul uses a Greek word, dakios, uh, and it speaks to a person, watch this now, it speaks to a person who gives God what he deserves, and he gives people what they deserve, but he gives it by God's standard. You get that? Like, I, I don't give you what I think you deserve. I give you what you deserve based upon what God says you deserve. That's a hard thing to do. So here's where I got with this word right this, this week. When I started to think on what was, whatever was right, it started to point to how often I'm wrong. How often I'm wrong about people. I want you to understand that, 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 that this word right means that I'm holding myself accountable for treating you and doing you and handling you in a way that is right in God's eyes. Watch this. That means that I'm willing to do whatever it takes to make sure I handle you right. Look at your neighbor and say, it costs to do it right. It costs me a lot to do right. What I found out about myself is that I like the idea of doing right, but I'm, I always look for the easiest way. What's the most equitable, equitable way for me to do this? What, what is the best way for me to handle you so it's easy on me? But here's where my heart went. Right went up on the cross for me. That is what right looks like. Listen to me, y'all. He said, this is very difficult to do. Is there any other way, God, I can do this? Let this cup pass for me. Right says, no, I'm willing to pay what it costs because I'm concerned about doing it the way that God wants me to do it. Because I'm concerned about man. I'm concerned about humankind. We have to be willing to give whatever we have to give pay whatever we have to pay to make sure we handle people right. It is, it is, it is, it is very expensive emotionally to handle people right. I'm not just talking about what you say and how you engage. I'm talking about in your mind and in your heart. It is expensive I feel like I'm going to die on the inside because I can't say what I want to say. I can't act how I want to act. I can't feel how it is expensive to make sure you handle people right. But for many of us, we, we go the easy way. This is just who I am, and I say it how it is. I'm going to say how I feel. Where God wants to take us, it takes a right mind. Can I say it like this? Where God wants to take this ministry, it takes a right mind. 
that means that every person that's sitting in these seats has to have a right mind. Somebody shout a right mind. Whatever is right, whatever is just. How would God handle this? You know, back, this was years ago. I don't know how old I was, but what would Jesus do came out? You remember those braces? Like, what would Jesus, how would Jesus handle, how would he want me to handle this? And it's expensive, y'all. I'm talking expensive on you. If you don't feel some angst inside of yourself when it comes to handling people, you're doing something wrong. Because it is in our nature. We talked about this two weeks ago. We, it is 60% of our thoughts, out of 50,000 thoughts, whatever the number is, out of 60% of that is negative. It is just within my nature to handle you wrong. I can justify it all I want. But it's in my nature to handle people wrong. Paul is saying, listen to me, you have to work hard at handling people right in you. And the problem is, the only person that truly knows if you're handling them right is you and God. Just because I let you off the hook doesn't mean that I handled you right. God is concerned about us being right in our minds. Somebody shout right. Fourth one. Finally, brothers and sisters, what is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, Whatever is pure. Fourth and final recipe, part of the recipe, ingredients for a Christian state of mind. Before I get into this, before I give you this last point, I got to give you a personal testimony. Pastor Wanzo's testimony. So I'm studying this, and I'm not studying it just to give it to you. I studied it because I needed it. And I started to apply it. And it is a lot of work to make yourself think against the thoughts that you've had for so long. So I was telling Tina this the other day, and I'm, this is no joke. Like, if you catch me doing it, that means that Pastor Wanzo is still working on it. I was telling her that I could be walking, right? I'd just be, I'd be walking, and I'd be talking to me. We all talk to ourselves, yes? You talk to yourself. Raise your hand, you talk to yourself. I'm talking to myself. And a thought that went against what I've been learning came into my mind. And I started shaking my head. Now, I know I look crazy, but I was shaking my head and I was telling myself, no, I'm not going along with that. Because it is so natural for us to go along and fall into trains of thought that have always been there. And I had to tell my, I had to tell my flesh and I had to tell my mind, no. Because I want to be free. I want to be who God has called me to be. I want, I want to have more. I want to do more. I want to be exactly where he wants me to be, and I want to make sure that I'm positioned to receive what he has for me. So I have to make sure that my mind is right before I get there. I don't have time to figure it out when I get there. I got to figure it out now. Let's get this last one. Just whatever is pure. Thoughts that are clean, innocent undefiled, and free from the taint of sin. The word pure that Paul uses is agnos. Um, It it carries such um, a high level of cleanliness that it speaks to the things that are fit to come into the presence of God for his service. 
this level of, of pure that Paul is talking about, he's talking about things that are so pure and so clean that they can come into the presence of God and be used for his service. I'm just going to give you a quick one. That means that I can't think any kind of way I want to think. I, I can think about whatever I want to think about. No, you can't. Because if you belong to God and you're supposed to be in his presence, there are certain thoughts that I can't even bring into his presence. In order to understand what Paul was getting at, I had to go back to the Old Testament and, and pull up this verse. It's Deuteronomy 17 and 1. It says, do not sacrifice to the Lord your God an ox or a sheep that has any defect or flaw in it, for that would be detestable to him. Read that again. Deuteronomy 17.1 says, do not sacrifice to the Lord your God an ox or a sheep that has any defect or flaw in it, for that would be detestable to him. God says, I've set the standard for what an, an acceptable sacrifice is to me. It doesn't have a blemish. It's pure. It's clean. I'm telling you what it looks like. And if you come into my presence with anything other than what I've told you is already acceptable, I see that as disregard for me. I have a problem with that. Well, you're saying to yourself, well, Pastor Wanza, that's great for the sacrifices that they used to do in the Old Testament. We got Jesus now. He went to the cross. He rose again. So we don't need any sacrifices because he was a sacrifice. But Paul also tells us in Romans chapter 12 that we have to present our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. So that means that there are certain thoughts that I can't come into the presence of God with. I can't. He's not going to accept. He's not going to accept me as a living sacrifice if I come into his presence tainted by my thoughts. Listen to me, y'all. That is the reason why it is so important to leave your issues at the door. Leave them, at the, leave them on the floor so that when you come into the presence of God, you are useful to him. Somebody shout pure. So check this out. That means that I can't entertain any and everything. I was talking to um, Priscilla. She's, she's, my, she's my, 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 my local uh, neuroscientist that goes to the church. And, and she was telling me um, that we have these neurons. They're, they're called mirror neurons. And, and, and these neurons, when we see something, it makes us feel like we're doing it. Like, we don't even have to be there, but we can feel like we're going through. Oh, I can feel that. It's, it's, it's great. That is the reason why I have to be, as a Christian, as a believer, that is the reason why I have to be real careful about the things that I allow into my eye gate and my ear gate. Because I will, have, I will be doing these things and processing these things and feeling these things even though I'm not there. So this is the reason why God, I mean, Jesus addresses this whole thing about lust. You didn't touch her, but you touched her. He's not yours, but he was yours. You have to make sure that you're very careful about what you allow yourself to see, experience, feel, the settings you're in, the people that you're around, because all of those things impact how you think. And if I'm supposed to be a child of God, I'm supposed to be of his service. I can't come into his, his presence with tainted thoughts. 
Somebody shout pure. Stand to you. Thank you for streaming the latest message from Truth Movement Church. We pray that you found something in God's word that you can deposit into your heart for future use. To stay connected with our ministry, like us on Facebook or Instagram, or learn more about us by visiting www.truthmovementchurch.org.